0: Hello there, I'm D Reddy and welcome to Inside Intercom. Today, we're continuing with the second season of Scale. It's our series dedicated to the particular strategies and frameworks that drive business growth. Once again, we've lined up a slate of brilliant leaders and thinkers from the likes of Google, Sprout Social and Yelp, folks who have all successfully propelled their company to a new stage of growth despite the odds. There's no magic formula to Scale, but over the next few weeks, you'll hear them share the growth levers they found and the advice that they have for others looking to expand their business in the same way. This week, we're featuring Ed Fry, who is head of growth at the SaaS commerce platform, Paddle. I was delighted to chat with Ed for this series of scale and to hear all about their own growth experience and strategies, but also what the team at Paddle observe their clientele doing when it comes to successfully scaling a SaaS company. Ed shares some incredible insights as to how Paddle grew revenue by over 2,500% as well as his five-star framework for SaaS growth. We were also pretty excited to learn how a previous episode from Series 1 of Scale featuring Stripe had a huge impact on the team in Paddle. So, with all this to cover and a lot more besides, let's head over to the studio and hear from Ed. Ed, we are delighted to have you on the show today for this series of Scale. To kick us off, do you want to give us a quick rundown of your career to date before joining Paddle?
1: Cool. So it's a real pleasure to be on the uh, on the show. So I, right now I'm working at Paddle. We're a SaaS commerce platform based in London, 150 people uh, scaling software company. Before that, I was first hire at Hull, Hull's a customer data platform, X textars based in Paris and Atlanta, uh, which was a really good fun. And before that, I was at a group that was acquired by HubSpot. So I ended up working with some of the team.
0: How did you get involved with Paddle then?
1: Uh, so Paddle, I, I got to know through, again through conferences. There's a, there's a recurring theme of uh, conferences and pubs uh, in, t- in terms of finding hmm. opportunities. Um, I met Paddle at Sastoc two years ago when I was speaking there. Met them again, uh, over, sorted events across London and the, uh, the tech space. And wound up signing a consulting contract with them earlier this year. And that wound up as a, a kind of a full time job, which is really exciting.
0: That's brilliant. So you were working for them as a growth consultant and then they took you on as head of growth.
1: Yeah. So before that, so between again going back to uh, SASTock, uh, mm-hmm. it's a great conference in Dublin. When I was working at Hull, we worked on selling Hull into Paddle, uh, which is which is very fun. Uh, it's now a kind of core part of the infrastructure on the go to market team here, and then that turning into a consulting project. Given I was in London and they were in London and then into a job, which is very cool.
0: Well, that all makes sense and worked out very, very well. So for anybody, I mean, I know most people listening will be familiar with Paddle, but perhaps for anybody that isn't, do you want to give us a quick rundown of the service that the company offers and what it is that sets them apart?
1: Sure thing. So Paddle is a SaaS commerce platform. So we help software companies Do everything around the selling of software, through taking payments, through invoices, subscriptions, tax, all this stuff, which typically you have to bolt together from a bunch of different tools and a bunch of different people. So we manage that in an all-in-one platform. But also we take a quite interesting model, uh, unlike some of the other tools, is where you form this strategic partnership with each one of our sellers to figure out how they can grow. And then on top of that, we take a different legal model to like the Stripes, Chargebee, Silicon Valley banks to... uh, partner much closer with our sellers. And what we do is we become the merchant of records. So just like the back end of the App Store, just like Uber or Airbnb, we take all the responsibility for the payment, that all the bits around that. We take responsibility for all payments. We take responsibility for tax, liability, that first-tier billing support. And what that means is companies are able to scale without any of this headache. So we see companies scale through Series A and B and beyond uh, with one person maybe looking at this part-time versus lots of engineers, lots of support teams, lots of different tools, which all adds up. So that's what Paddle does.
0: Great. So you've spoken before about this idea of SaaS commerce And we recently on the podcast talked about the idea that fintech is sort of changing that traditional power balance that has always existed between financial services and putting it back in the hands of the consumer, whether they're businesses or individuals. So where does Paddle actually fit into that?
1: Sure. So if you look at like tech and technology, we've gone and disrupted a whole bunch of these industries. Like in London, you see TransferWise getting into the foreign exchange space. You Mm -hmm. see payment processes like Stripe tearing up like the merchant accounting, like payments space and everything around there. But what you see over time is like, whilst there's a lot of disruption, the new breed companies start to put this all together. You still have to go back and solve the same problems old breed companies do, which is put this in one place. So what we're really seeing now is the kind of vertical payment space, Mm -hmm. rather than taking the individual slices of the problem. uh, We're seeing companies emerge, which take an industry and solve it end to end. So if you look at companies like Square or Toast, in the U.S., which are taking things like restaurant sales, point-of-sale software around particular use cases and wrapping up everything the customer needs in terms of user experience, everything in terms of selling that particular product in that particular industry, everything to run the revenue operations and everything to support that and building that into a fully integrated solution. And this is really where we're seeing a lot of growth and that's kind of the thesis Paddle takes, but in the software space, there's no like integrated complete solution before and that's really the step where we want to step into.
0: So in many respects, you're really going down the route of category creation there. But in taking on a merchant banking role and the legal and compliance side of things, has that actually presented problems or particular challenges for your team when you're trying to address new markets then? Because surely you need to be abreast of those legal requirements in every single market that you enter.
1: So the legal and compliance stuff, I mean, we have a like a finance team of twenty people. Mm-hmm. We have general counsel. We have a CFO who's a of Like that's not like we have people whose job it is to do that. And what's cool is we take that off other people's hands. I think the bigger thing around so sort of the category creation is people understanding and identifying with the problem. Mm-hmm. And typically, if you're creating a new category, you're trying to get away from being associated with other things, like uh, you're more than just a payments process or you're more than just an invoicing tool or something like that. So we have a similar problem at Hull, which is you're trying to build this like new type of tool which sits somewhere else in the system, which is used in a different way. Like, How do you describe that? And this is where I think... It becomes so far removed from like an existing category that you need to start talking about a new set of problems a new a different lens to put on it so yes there's like legal and compliance bits in there but it's also like think about the user experience take a step back is it really the best best place in the world to put together a whole bunch of tools a whole bunch of teams and this be quite a disjointed thing perhaps not is it the best Easiest way, cheapest way to put together a whole bunch of tools to manage and like integrate with all your other systems, perhaps not. And so categorization through talking about the problem repeatedly, that tends to be the, the kind of most successful way. And we saw that at Hull and talking about the problem and framing the problem, we see that at, at Paddle as well.
0: And in many ways that comes down to how you market it. What has the strategy been there to date?
1: So Paddle's history was Finding a lot of success in other types of software companies, uh, so particularly Mac sellers. So you're on the Mac App Store, you're paying 30% to Apple just to acquire customers, but with all the benefits of the App Store taking everything off your hands. So on one hand, like that marketplace model. And so we saw this this wonderful growth from selling to like indie Mac developers and companies like that, where we could give them all the flexibility to sell how they wanted to sell, how, create the experience they wanted to on the terms that they wanted to. And that grew tremendously quickly. We had a the sales funnel when I joined, I had to double check with the, the data team. Like there's one in three people we contacted closed, which I haven't seen before in, in SaaS. As we really grew through that, began to sort of max out the Mac market, I have a bit of a tongue twister there (laughs) and began to move into, okay, where are the, the rest of the $600, $700 billion software industry? What's the next space to move into? That's where we began to look into SaaS, particularly B2B SaaS. So companies where... What matters most is how your buyers pay. And in B2B, you get that mix between people paying on card and people paying in invoicing. And these are just totally different siloed systems in most companies. And so to begin to address something which ties that together. And so it became about moving into a new market. And when we moved into new markets, sort of everything changed. We could talk a bit about what that looked like.
0: You've actually written about that paddle actually changed how you perceived SaaS growth and that it is all about new markets.
1: Right, exactly. So th- the world I come from is like a marketer selling a marketing tool to marketers. You go to a salesperson, they think in terms of sales, you go to a product person, they put the product lens on it. The reality is like fast growing companies have all this stuff. They have marketers doing marketing, they have mm-hmm. product people, etc. But that's not why they grow. The reason why they grow is and they're in a great market. Software businesses are just like any other business. like. Starbucks, Pret-a-Manger, all this kind of sp- McDonald's, they grow because they are in more markets. They're in more locations. They're selling at more price points. They're selling more products. And for software businesses, it's exactly the same. So Paddle's journey is beginning to move to a new market. Like how do we sell from in- Indie Mac developers, for instance, how do we sell to B2B SaaS companies? Now in that process, the whole sales, marketing, products, go-to-market commercial model is going to change. And, Really, growth comes from figuring out that product market fit, that marketing go-to-market fit within each of those markets.
0: So staying with growth then and scale, actually, given that that's the name of the series, let's talk a little bit more about Paddle's journey to becoming a company at scale. It's currently 150 people working out of London. I understand now there are plans to expand that workforce into New York. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. So we got um, uh, one of our co-founders pulled this sick move of hiring his mentor as our chief commercial officer, which frees him up to move to New York and set up an uh, office there. So really excited to do that. It's the largest software market in the world. There's a big, big demand for Paddle and we can probably serve that a bit better with a local presence.
0: And tell me, is there any particular reason why there was the decision to go to New York and not to San Francisco? <laughs>
1: Uh, For the folks listening in from San Francisco and New York, there's a couple of pieces around that. Like both cities have pretty much like a similar size in terms of their software market. If you take the larger Bay Area though, that's where it starts to get much more interesting. One of the cool projects we've done at Paddle is actually map the entire software universe. So we talk about, it's inspired by a previous Intercom podcast. We can talk about that in a sec. But like New York is substantial. The five-hour time difference means there's like, at least half a working day overlap. Um, I think that helps. It's also like maybe New York's a more attractive city from a European point of view, but that's probably going to put people on edge (laughs) if I say that. No, it's like, we'll do both at some point. We actually have a crew flying out to SF right now as we're recording. So it's not like we're not going to be there. It's just we're not going to build our, our first presence there right away. And whilst both cities are large, really the way we look at it, is what is the US market and how can we best serve the US? New York's very well connected, SF is still well connected, but we can probably serve a large proportion of that mapped software universe from an East Coast base right now than a West Coast base.
0: And are there any designs anywhere else in the world, maybe perhaps further East?
1: Exactly, well, this is actually maybe the more interesting Mm. uh, site. So whilst the US is, is the largest individual software market, we get a ton of insights on where software companies and software sellers are from the transactions that go through our platform from our mapping of the software universe and going east is definitely the area of focus in future i think very few companies particularly us companies understand the east it's quite a distributed software landscape because salaries in many of these countries aren't as high. It doesn't tend to support enterprise software, but product-led companies can do really, really well there. So we have a couple, like a number of sellers from places like Armenia or like India or Malaysia or stuff like this who are performing really, really well. They're GT100 companies. They out-compete their Western competitors. They're growing much faster. And this is for us one of the biggest growth areas. We just had a team back from China. We're doing like a, a road trip through five cities in five days. Wow! And the pace of innovation there and the pace of scale is far beyond what we're seeing in Western Europe and in the US. I think so, a lot of the expansion and a lot of the industry in the US turns into enterprise, which can get quite slow. Whereas the volumes you see in Asia, it's 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 just totally different. And I'm only just beginning to get my head around it. Sure.
0: It's interesting, actually, that the nature of what you do gives you access to that type of data that you can make a decision based on it.
1: It's one of our favorite points to bring up with our sellers. So where are your sellers all over the world? Like, let's talk about your geographic distribution. We started doing this like earlier and earlier and earlier on sort of the paddle consulting process. It's highlighting things like where your traffic is over the world, because that tends to be a leading indicator of where your signups and sellers are. And most people don't consider things like, language and currency and, and bits like that. And really, it means for most companies, particularly companies just isolated to say US market, uh, are missing out on like, like optimizing for half their signups, half their workflow, like custom flow. And that scale stage where that 100% year on year growth actually turns into quite a substantial like dollar amount, making Small incremental improvements there can make dramatic increases in top-line revenue. And that's something which we've seen repeatedly again and again, particularly for sort of product-led SaaS, product-led software companies where anyone all over the world can sign up. So you're international from day one. You should be optimizing from this in our view from, from day one, especially across those core uh, those core to the customer journey um so scale ups who aren't thinking about international beyond like oh that means we have to set up an office or translate our entire product it's like no there's way way earlier way simpler um Optimizations that people can make. Um, we see pretty consistent lift there, sort of 30% globally on revenues. Uh, in some markets, we see like Germany. Seen yeah. sellers like triple the the conversion rates in those things just by getting things like payment methods right. Like people in Germany pay differently. It's a big enterprise market as well as consumer software market. Things like sell a little bit of your product in German, like a couple of emails or yeah. a checkout or something like that, and all these little touches. If you're thinking scale, you must be thinking international. You have to get outside your office. One of my favorite projects at Paddle recently was putting a fake airport departure board up, which is encouraging people to think about getting outside of the office and like going and meeting sellers. We had I mentioned China last week. We had Berlin last week. We got people to SF today. Like Get outside the office, go meet sellers, and you'll learn far more about how to scale by scaling to new markets.
0: It's something that we actually covered in a very recent episode of Scale with Katie Sullivan from Yelp. She was talking about that need to localize not only how you work, but also your product to a certain extent when you are addressing new markets. So definitely, definitely for companies at Scale, it is really, really important.
1: The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode.
0: So, we've spoken a little bit about scaling Paddle, but let's talk about what Paddle does for companies at scale. Sure.
1: So, as as you grow like you grow into new markets we think of this in a couple of ways if you go and look at like public sas companies if you go down to the section of those s1s and those uh, like investor filings and like q1 reports you see how they outline their growth strategy and we dig through this and we dig through our own sellers and really there's like five most common market moving strategies and this is really sets the context mm. for like how companies grow and why some of these billing pains and sale, like go-to-market pains and product pains erupt? So like moving international is one, moving up market is another. Optimizing that monetization plan be another piece there. So when you move up market, you sell those bigger and bigger contract values to companies who want to buy from you because why not? And then they send you a check from their local bank account to your local account. What do you do? One, you've got to bank that checked. You've got to reconcile that to an account. Three, you've got to tie that to subscri- subscriptions and then tie that back into a database. So you've got a whole bunch of things which kind of do or don't talk to each other. And on the other hand, you've got to kind of start growing this like global entity of different organizations, different merchant accounts, different pieces there. And very quickly as you move into new markets, because you should, because this is how you grow, you end up with this like quite complicated set of tools and people and problems just to sell your software. Mm. And just at the same time, like you're trying to hire the best salespeople you can, you're trying to build the product for different use cases, maybe launching whole new products. This stuff starts to like fall apart and get really, really difficult to manage. So what we're looking to do is help people run their businesses in in those uh, circumstances, but also like... Unlock that growth. Unlock that growth, which is stopping companies moving to the US because of recent like things like the US sales taxes coming in, which you've got to manage. You've got to be compliant with. But like the US isn't the only one. Like Japan, Japan, you have to hire a tax consultant. Uh, you have to be able to have that legally filed correctly in Japan for any revenues going through Japan. Japan is a big software market. People need to think about this stuff. But often this comes as an afterthought once you've already started that, that process down the line of like having signups through Japan and revenue through Japan, for instance.
0: You've touched on a couple of them there already, but tell us about the five stars of SaaS growth then.
1: The five star model comes from looking at these top trends we see. And if you could uh, sort of rate how companies move into new markets like Slack, like HubSpot, like Zoom, mm-hmm. they work through all of these. So the first is monetization. How do you acquire? users uh, and customers? How do you retain them? And how do you expand those accounts? How do you grow internationally? How do you launch new products? How do you move up market? And then how do you move down market as well and scale that self-serve independent of uh, sales reps? And if you go through say a company like HubSpot, like they, they launched, they figured out their monetization plan. They sold monthly, later annually. They grew internationally for, with a sales-led model starting in Dublin they launched a new product called hubspot crm which was their first freemium play uh, and this took their move from like a sales marketing led organization to a product led organization and that became their like main funnel and now and only recently are they starting to think about true enterprise and 2000 Person company deals. Well, I don't make any of this up. You go and read their investor documents. They mm-hmm. outline this all very, very clearly. And the same for Slack. Go through and read their S1, go to the heading which says growth strategy, and they outline exactly how they think about their market moving strategies. This is the board level discussions, the invest level discussions. This is how people think about growth. And so our prescription to software companies, because we grow when they grow, is to think about how you're going to move strategically through these five stars, and how you're going to grow your TAM so you can grow your ARR. Uh, typically, we see two parts. So for a product-led organization, like an organization like Intercom, which started as a free sign-up, I can get straight into the product. I can maybe put a credit card in. We typically see, you're starting with that monetization, figure out how that strategy to acquire people, retain them, and expand those accounts. And then thinking about international, whether that's local languages and currencies and payment methods and bits like that. Typically, that's under-optimized by most Western companies. And then later, how do we grow the ACV within those accounts and start selling into team plans, enterprise deals, etc.? On the other hand, there's sales led organizations, which... Take that monetization strategy and then typically move up market earlier because you're set up with those sales teams. You're set up with that that resource, that infrastructure to deliver bigger, bigger deals anyway. So why not? Why not try and sell something a little higher? Then moving international with that infrastructure, so sales reps and account managers and CRMs and all that people and, and tooling typically means you need offices in other countries. So internationalization happens later. So you look at companies like HubSpot moving into Dublin in, what is it, 2012 or something like that. That move comes typically comes a little later. And then different companies will pursue other strategies at different stages, whether it's like scaling self-serve, whether it's launching your whole new products to be Like expand the amount of money you can get from existing customers and attract new customers. This is how we think. This is how companies grow. They grow by increasing their TAM, their total addressable market, which increases their ability to drive ARR.
0: It's interesting to me that you have moving up market as one of the five stars and moving down market as another. Is there a tendency, do you think, that people, once they move up market, almost forget about their existing customer base or leave people behind?
1: So this is a really interesting point. And I I think newer breed companies don't do this. And they're very good at getting like being able to serve anyone, anywhere, anyhow, if you like. So I can sign up for Slack, I can pay nothing, but I can also buy Slack Enterprise Grid and pay six figures, and I can be anyone in between that. My experience is going to be great at any point between that, and you do a really good job. What, the people who struggle are the companies in the kind of old world. They're not so product led. They're not so agile. Maybe they've won in the enterprise segment. Maybe they're even like, like, Gartner Magic Quadrant leaders, but they're trying to figure out how to continue their growth. They're trying to figure out how to find this speed of like all the companies, the next enterprise companies, the next large companies we, to upsell to, and. If they're not orientated with this like self-serve world, this product-led world, they often get quite a tricky position. So, one of the other angles we see at Paddle is like going and coaching and mentoring some of these larger companies. Here's how you need to fill in that self-serve gap that's going to drive all your acquisition and drive the future customers and drive that future top-line revenue. And it's not be an afterthought, but it's actually be like the core engine for moving forward. So yeah, we we, we have a number of uh, companies we're working with at the moment uh, on that front.
0: So these are all levers that companies can use when they're scaling. But as a growth consultant and now head of growth with a SaaS commerce leader, what are the actual challenges that you seek for companies around scaling and finance in particular?
1: Scaling and finance. So I think the challenges across all this market moving stuff is it's not functional. And like I said earlier, it's not me in marketing sitting in and, and explaining my idea of the world or sales doing their their silo or product in their own kingdom like this is truly cross-functional stuff like you can't who owns pricing it's probably the ceo or some like collection of people around that who decides to move international and so the companies who can work collaboratively across departments mm-hmm. cross-functionally tend to be better at getting this uh, this stuff done the companies who are more in tune with their customer so how are you to get that like fire hose of insights how are your product managers and your sales reps and your marketers only ever like one step removed from like a customer conversation or the recordings or transcripts or whatever, of a customer conversation. I think the companies which fail to do that, it shows your product seems out of touch. Your messaging is off. It doesn't quite hit the mark. And again, like that aggregation of customer insights, given modern companies, people come up through products, they come through a website, they talk to a rep. It's all cross-functional as well. It's flattening the entire organization around the customer. Those companies which get that right tend to be that a little bit more agile, be that a little more focused um, and to me, I think that's the biggest challenge of all.
0: It's good advice though so you mentioned one little nugget there earlier that I'd be remiss if I let you go before we if we didn't come back to it. Tell me about the Stripe episode. Of inside intercom and where that fits into the story of Paddle, as it were.
1: So yeah, we 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 do follow the intercom uh, intercom stuff and intercom stories. So like Stripe, Paddle is in the has a business model where we make money when our sellers make money. Okay. And back in the day, Stripe to figure out who they could sell to, they went and built this giant database they call it the universe. And use this to sort of understand who they should be talking to uh, and so on. And like there's the great insights, Intercom podcast, I think, of the first season of Scale, which talks through this. And we were really inspired by this. I, I shared this with the team when I joined Paddle and we started building our own universe. We call it the software universe. Uh, so this becomes a uh, collection of data sources to understand different things about software companies like who they sell to. Is it a free trial? Is it sales assisted? Where is their traffic across the world? What tools are they using? How? And then how can we run machine learning and AI and all kind of predictions on top of this to understand who we should be talking to? And then to compute, like what is going to be the ideal message to reach out to each account there? Um, so hopefully this, I'm not sure what... Um, the, the level that Stripe stuff goes to, like it was with one of their sales leaders. And so she gets the, the, the fruit of it, if you like. Yeah. But what's really interesting to me is like, okay, how far can we take this? I've seen folks like at Intercom and there's guys in the Bay Area called the Dogpatch Advisors talk about some really, really smart stuff in terms of computing messaging, computing messages, computing images to use that to reach out to people and explain the value very immediately. And so that's kind of some of the stuff we're exploring on the, the growth team uh, here at Paddle.
0: That's great. And it's lovely to hear that the Intercom content has had such a positive impact for you guys. And lastly, before we let you go, where can our listeners keep up with your work, Ed?
1: Sure. So I think we're we're writing a bit more on the Paddle blog um, about some of this market moving stuff, but um, otherwise on LinkedIn and Twitter. So I'm at Ed Fry Ed on Twitter um, and the same on LinkedIn. Uh, my messages are always open. I'm really interested to hear from like software companies, software founders who are thinking about some of these marketing moving stuff. And outside of Twitter and LinkedIn, like most SaaS conferences, I very much enjoy the the face-to-face exchanges there.
0: Super. Well, we look forward to chatting to you again. And thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Cheers. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more interviews, go to intercom.com slash blog or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher.
1: This is Inside Intercom.